on America Can We Talk. I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. your tolerance but lecture me is there no end to your own hypocrisy your god is power you have no shame your only interest is political gain you hide your eyes and refuse to listen you play your game coming up next america can we talk with your host debbie georgiatos And hello and welcome to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Thank you so very much for joining us today. I love my Thursday shows, which I say every week. I love them because we have a longer time to talk, a really an hour conversation with a thought leader, with someone we're trying to explore more deeply, a subject top, uh, touching on the idea of saving America. Before I do that and get launched into this uh, discussion for today, one springboard I thought might be a great thing to share with you was that uh, last night my husband and I had the great opportunity uh, here in Dallas area to attend event, an event uh, for Donald Trump for his reelection campaign. And one of the speakers at the beginning was our Lieutenant Governor in Texas, Dan Patrick. And he did a really good job. And what he was talking about is something that really touches on what we're gonna talk about today. One of the points he was making was that a lot of times if you look back at points in history, you, you look at that and you you're kind of feel okay about how tense things were because you know it came out okay. You know later you can look back and say, well, we did win. You know, we won the Revolutionary War and we won, the, the North won, the, the, the Union won the Civil War and, and the uh, Freedom America and the Allies won World War II, et cetera, et cetera. But when you're in the middle of it, you don't know. And I've made that comment many times about, you know, like George Washington, that famous painting, he's kneeling in the snow at Valley Forge. And, you know, he does not know what we now know looking back. And this whole point was of what Dan, our, our Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick was saying was, people are very, very, very concerned about what's happening in America. A whole range of issues. We're concerned about how do we get ourselves out of this situation? How do we resolve this? How do we turn this around? How do we get ourselves, how do we get America back? And I talk on the show many times about um, the serious issues facing the country and really try to make the point that there are significant people in power in America today who don't actually believe in the America of the founding. It doesn't motivate them in thinking through policy solutions. It doesn't motivate their speeches. It doesn't motivate the direction they try to push our country in. And so we are in a place where conservative patriots in this country are working very hard to re-inspire Americans to understand why unique, why, as I say in my show so often, why is America is unique, extraordinary, and great. Why is that? It's not just pure dumb luck. It's not just a you know, flash of brilliance at the founding, but it was a commitment of the ideas that the founders wrote down in the Declaration, in the Constitution, and their clarity and determination to write down what it means, what they were trying to create in America, and then what the Constitution did to try to make that, to hold that in place. And so it'll touch on a lot we're going, uh, what we're going to talk about today with our guest. One other quick thing uh, to share. I was thinking last night during this speech how my husband used to tell our three kids when they were growing up about the idea how, you know, you can look at a situation like you look back at the Bible and there's Joseph in the pit. 
And he didn't really do anything wrong. In fact, he was a good guy. He didn't do anything wrong. But if you think of right now in the middle of this bad situation, XYZ occurred, or this situation seems so threatening, you have to remember, you know, Joseph in the pit could have said, wow, you know, I guess really gonna abandon everything I believed in, but he didn't. And that idea of not abandoning anything about America is really required today and holding on to what America is. And it's unique and extraordinary greatness. And now I shall introduce our guest for today. And this, a lot of what he's been doing uh, ties into these ideas of, of understanding America's founding and then trying to preserve it. So we have joining us in studio, the Honorable Rick Green. And he's a name widely known by conservatives in Texas and really around the country. Uh, he is a former Texas state representative, served in our Texas state house from, I have the years right here, 1999 to 2003. He's also the founder of the Patriot Academy, which we'll hear a lot about today. He works very hard to instill understanding and people who go through their many courses uh, about what biblical citizenship means, what America was all about, what the founding means, what the Constitution means. And one other quick point in the Constitution. I brought my, some of my happy copies of the Constitution. I love these. And you know what? When, I will tell you one other quick intro, intro point. I remember when Barack Obama first came along, was running for president, and many people with serious immersion in uh, law and order and what America is supposed to be. I mean, you know, your alarm bells are going up. The hair is in the back of your neck. You're listening to him speak. You're thinking there's something really, really wrong with this guy. That was the time when a lot of Americans began thinking, is he allowed to do that stuff? Can he really take over the healthcare system? As an example, can he really bail out all of the unions? There were these, uh, these large, um, left-wing unions, and people began looking again at the Declaration of Independence, the most important human document, all of human history after the Bible, in my opinion, and then the Constitution. It made people start to think, what is the government really allowed to do? So in my race for RNC committee woman, um, I got a bunch of these and stuck a little sticker on the back. And I'm going to tell you, it's surprising in the different events I've gone to, how popular these are. People go, oh yeah, I want, they, they know, they, they know there's something to be learned here. So with that very lengthy introduction, one more point about Rick Green, our guest joining us today. Um, he also, uh, he's, he speaks all over the country. He, people who are very prominent, whose names you would know. In fact, uh, Congressman Louis Gomer, who's joined us in the show many, many times, one of the people uh, who, who has a testimonial on their website about how great these programs are. Uh, many serious, substantive, conservative leaders love Patriot Academy. Um, our guest today also uh, travels the nation speaking with wall builders. We'll talk about them, teaching on the U.S. Constitution. He found the Torture Freedom Foundation. Uh, so he's really just an activist for informing Americans and really enlivening their belief in America. So with that very lengthy introduction, let's welcome to the show, Rick Green. Okay, well, I, I said everything you think. No, I didn't really. <laughs> I just, Let's see. I just, Debbie already covered that. Debbie already covered that. <laughs> well, you're going to dive in for us on a whole bunch of these things. So just stepping back, I know you serve in the Texas State House, which God bless you for doing that. Uh, just tell us why you got the whole thing started. Why did you found Patriot Academy? Sitting on the floor of the Texas House 23 years ago, frustrated that uh, our even supposedly conservative members were voting for price fixing and all kinds of horrible economic policies. and. Uh, we were trying to get even parental notification uh, in a, for an abortion passed at the time and just realizing that uh, too many politicians say one thing on the campaign trail, do another when they get in office and decided, you know what, we've got to raise up a new generation of patriots that are grounded, that really understand the principles you were just talking about. What is it that made America 
unique and, and extraordinary and great. And, and even that, you think about it, extraordinary, not ordinary, not yes. normal. That's what exceptionalism is all about, the exception to the rule. And so we started Patriot Academy to bring kids into the state capitol for about a week. And we take over the capitol, 16 to 25-year-olds. We teach them biblical worldview, constitutional governance, leadership skills, speaking skills, campaigning skills, equipping them not only to be right, but to be able to win to be the men of Issachar that understand the times and know what to do. So we've been doing that for 23 years. Uh, started in Texas, but now we do it all over the nation. And uh, then we ended up, you know, people started saying, well, I'm not under 25 years old, but I'd really like to do something <laughs> like that. And so then we started our Constitution Coach Program. We bring military veterans to the Capitol as well. And we do a Military Veterans Leadership Congress. And it's just kind of exploded from there for everything that you just said. People are hungry for truth. That was a great answer. I'll go back. 16 to 25-year-olds, I'm actually thrilled you can get, in fact, I, I wrote the numbers. I think they're somewhere in here. I'm thrilled that you found young people because you do, you get a little concerned that our education system causes students to emerge from K through 12 just thinking that Constitution is something about some old men, you know, 200 years ago, whatever. They think it's not relevant. It's even worse. How they, do you find these people? They think it's evil. They've been taught, yes. we have taught our own children to hate their own nation. Uh, and that's literally the cultural Marxism we poured into our children. I, I was uh, back at, back in those days in the legislature. I can remember going over to the state board of education and testifying against textbooks in Texas that said socialism, communism, and capitalism are just three equal ways to form a society. In um, other words, moral relativism of values. It's yeah. nothing about the extraordinary, nothing about the great, nothing about the uniqueness or the exceptionalism. But instead, not, not only are we like others, but then we began to teach. Once we could dumb it down and say we're just not any better than anybody else, then we could start saying we're actually worse than everybody else. And that's what's been done in our education system in Texas and across the country. So we've got uh, a major hurdle at this point, two generations that have had that kind of poison poured into their minds. But we're, we're fortunate because of the foundation of the country, because of the declaration and what you talked about. The nation was built on truth. We hold these truths to be self-evident. Those truths, we're, we're kind of living on the fumes of what previous generations were expression. willing to do. And the good news is there's enough fumes there that right now we're kind of getting the engine started again and we're getting people to realize. And honestly, when you start seeing tyranny in front of you, you start saying, wait, 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 wait a minute. Why, why is the nation falling apart? Why is America's culture crumbling. We're not going to curl up in the fetal position and give up. We're going to start picking up those pieces and rebuilding, but we have to understand what caused it in the first place. Why did we leave extraordinary and start becoming what unfortunately America has become lately? And that's what we do. We, we bring back the formula. There is a secret sauce there that, you know, I'm, I'm a simple country boy, garbage in, garbage out, good stuff in, good stuff out. And we had a good stuff in system. We had a formula and a success. Uh, I mean, a sauce that produced the greatest, most powerful, most free, most benevolent nation in history. We got to get back to that formula, teach it once again, solve the civic ignorance and replace it with civic literacy. I love that. One expression I use in that show is a moral, my show is moral equivalency of all ideas. Yeah. It's taught as a virtue, as yeah. though you are a little more enlightened because you don't care. You don't, you don't uplift America's ideas. You don't uplift Christianity. You don't yeah. uplift the biblical worldview. And that it's taught as though if you do those things, if you believe in the idea of America, the, the biblical worldview, that you're a little bit, I don't know, kind of like uh, 
old, not just old school, but a little bit dull, a yeah. little bit ignorant. And people, young people especially, they don't want to be seen that way. If they think, oh, the, the most enlightened view of all is everything is all equal, the then they go for it. Oh, yeah. I, no, I, was, I gave a speech 20 years ago. I'm giving this speech on patriotism and, and America and all this. I've been inspired by, by people that love this country and the stories of the sacrifice. And I'm giving the speech on, on America. This kid comes up afterwards and he says, America, so what? I mean, big deal. What's special about our way of life? And right then I realized this is the moral equivalent you're talking about. It's moral relativism of value systems. And I, you know, I wanted to say to the kid, hey, you know, uh, I, I used to get a lot of hate mail. I was the God and guns guy in the legislature. So I had a, I had a form letter I sent out to folks that sent me hate mail and just said, dear sir, ma'am, I thought you should know some fool has stolen your letterhead. Um, and and, and, and they're, they're writing asinine letters on it, signing your name. I thought you'd want to, no, I didn't really send them out. My, my staff, <laughs> my staff would throw those away and write nice letters, but I, I couldn't say that to this kid in, 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 right in front of me. So I had to be, you know, try to be a little bit polite, but I asked questions. I said, wait a minute. Why, why do you think they call the last century, the great American century? We saved the world, not once or twice, three times from mm -hmm. the evils of Nazism, communism, despotism. We're the only people on the face of the planet that when we had a technological advantage in war, we didn't conquer. We freed people around the world. 1945 with the bomb, after we dropped that on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, we could have said to every nation on the planet, you submit to us. But instead, we took our money and we went and rebuilt the nations that attacked us. That's different from anything that's ever happened in history. We should be proud of that fact. And they, what you're talking about is they want you to feel bad as if being proud of, to be an American is a sin, that that's, that that's wrong. They want you to be embarrassed about right. America's uh, power. And it, and it has taken its toll on, on who we are, are as a people. So back to your time in the legislature, we are going to, I want to talk about everything you do, but yeah. you know, it's an interesting thing in tackling the education issue, because for most of my lifetime, people assumed, you know, when we went to school, they taught us good things about yeah. America and the founding fathers and all these great things. And it took really a, an, almost until COVID for a lot of people to wake up and That's realize right. what was being taught in the public schools. So does, is part of what Patriot Academy does, maybe it's not, it's okay, but do you try to work with the textbook people yeah. and, and help them correct what's in there? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm actually on the school of thought of, of doing it all. I wanna fire every bullet in the gun. So in other words, yes, we homeschooled our children, we, we help private schools, homeschools, but we also try to in, influence the public schools because 80% of the kids are still there. I, I passed a bill when I was in the legislature known as the Teach Freedom Act. It created Celebrate Freedom Week here in Texas. It requires every school in Texas, every public school in Texas, to teach the Constitution and the Declaration, and they have to spend three to five hours of instruction that week. There's a federal law that requires that on Constitution Day that was passed later. And so I, I, I push our coaches. We have 26,000 Constitution coaches around the country. I push them to go to the local school and say, hey, what are you doing for Constitution Day? What are you doing for Celebrate Freedom Week? And then we have a curriculum that they can take into the public school and in 45 minutes give a presentation on the Constitution. So while I am a big supporter of competition and I think most parents should get their kids out of the public schools, get into private school and homeschooling, I'm not going to leave the kids that are in the burning building. I, I think we have to do what we can to make that system better. Oh, yeah, because they will be adults in America. That's right. They're going to vote. They're going to run. Absolutely. <laughs> right. They're going to run Absolutely. for office. Your, are you saying your organization has, has trained? You have 26,000 constitutional activists? Yeah, 26,000 constitution coaches. We put coaches. about a million people through the class, but we have 26,000 coaches. And that just means they basically get people in the living room and they hit play and they play. They do our class or they get people at their church together. Some of those classes that they're coaching are five people in a living room. Some are 500 at a church. But our classes, I, I actually say this, and it's going to sound like bragging, but we have the only constitution classes on the planet in which you will stay awake. In other words, they're not boring. They're, they're, yeah. they're entertaining. Yeah. I hated history in college and high school. I fell asleep in those classes. So we make it fun, 
and entertaining, and it makes people want to do something. They realize I'm not alone. They look around the room and go, wow, there's other people that care about the country. And then we're teaching them the truth. Like one section, Tim Barton teaches a, uh, a response to the 1619 Project. And when oh. people learn the true history of America, the true black history of America, yeah. when they learn about the black patriots from the Revolutionary War, every little black boy and girl in America ought to know those stories so that they know they have ownership in the American dream. And it prevents this fake white guilt, all this nonsense that they've done to try to divide us. So those classes every week do something like that, whether it's that part of history or the faith of the founders or the actual constitutional limitations. And every week people leave the class going, wow, I didn't know that. And wow, I can do something about this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I did a um, speech recently where I was talking about how, you know, three ways in which you can just just little markers along the way that help you see how the left has tried to shape America over the left, which I mean by the left, Marxist, socialist, communist, the Democrat yeah. Party. But in any case, <laughs> which is where they are. But, you know, part I of actually always tell people, hey, listen, I'm not going to tell you which party to get involved in. You can be with the Republicans or the Marxist, whichever one you want. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, go ahead. So I'm sorry. No, it's very fair. Very fair. But that term that you've probably heard, the long march through the institutions. Yes. It was a term coined by uh, Rudolf, I don't know how to say his last name, Deutschke or something, but 1967, talking about the idea America will never submit to communism if it is through military force. Right. It's going to have to be this invasion, this, this silent invasion into our institutions. And the big play, and they've been successful pretty much. I mean, in what? terms of flipping ac academia, media, Hollywood, journalism, everywhere you go. And so what you're up against, I mean, I was just thinking while you're talking, you're kind of like the counter to that long march of the institutions. Yes getting people back on track and then pushing against all the places they have. This has emerged and really affected America. It's a counterattack. And, and here's the thing. The other side's been fighting for 50 years and we have Yes. They've been in the trenches scratching and clawing for 50 years. They took over education knowing if we can get the kids and we can take over education, we'll own the next generation. That's why these kids march in the street thinking they're part of a righteous cause, whether it was the whole BLM, Black Lives Mafia. Actually, this black guy called into my show one time. He said, no, Rick, it's Black Lives Maoist. They are actual Marxist. Or they're marching for Hamas. They believe they're marching for a righteous cause because they've been lied to, because the left owns that institution. And here's the bad news. I mean, bad news, and then we'll get to the good news. The bad news is the left won the culture war. They own journalism, entertainment, half the pulpits in America, you name it, all arts and all of it. The good news is the truth hasn't changed. The laws of nature and nature's God have not changed. And therefore, if we do a counterattack and we go back and get education and we get entertainment and we do all those things, we can sow the good stuff in once again and then get the good stuff out. Could not agree more. And I do hear more. And you probably hear people saying this, too, because uh, I've talked this endlessly for 10 years during this show about saving America, speak up for America. And really um, well-informed, educated people have said, America's over. I don't understand what you think you're doing, but America's over. And that whole idea of saying, we yes, we lost. I mean, we lost the battle. I, I go, not the war, just the battle. We've lost this battle. But the whole idea is truth does win out. Right. I mean, you, the, the whole notion of, of you know, God given all the rights from God that we have the oversight, it does win. That's right. But it's a battle. It's and a battle. People are tired of it. And here's, here's the thing we can be like the 10 spies that came back from the promised land and said, oh, it's too hard. The giants yeah. <laughs> are too big. The cities are too fortified. They depressed the people, and an entire generation had to die in the wilderness. Yes. Or we can be Joshua and Caleb and say, yes. The we giants are big. We yes, can do this. the cities are fortified. Yes, they've taken over these institutions. But God gave us the land. We have a foundation here that is strong if we'll come back to that foundation. And that's why we can't sit on the sidelines. We can't curl up in the fetal position and give up. It's like I said, it's crumbling, but we pick up the pieces and we rebuild. And it can be done. I love your attitude. I mean, that, people have to know that, too. And here's the thing. We're at almost two, we're two years, 247 days from now. 
will be the 250th birthday of America. So 250 years is when most civilizations fall apart. Right. But we have been unique every step of the way. That uniqueness you're talking about is spot on. When nobody else ever had the formula that we had. So yeah. I am not giving up. In fact, we are on a mission to restore the principles of the Declaration. If you want life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, you have to have the bookends. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they're endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. And among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We all want that part. But now the other bookend, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Got to have truth. Once you get life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, then you have to have consent of the governed. We have to give or refuse that in order to keep life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I love that visual. It's a great visual. And I'll tell you, part of what happened during COVID especially was the government instilled fear in the hearts and minds of people about the idea, well, you know, this is a really, really bad problem and you can't handle it on your own and we'll keep you safe. Just do what we say. And that, that it was, it was like a, a psychological invasion Absolutely. of America. That's why they called or, it the novel coronavirus. So we would oh, think, yes. oh, nobody's ever had anything this bad before. Yeah. No, no virus like this. But it really did. You notice it in some people. You, first of all, you notice people of faith took them only a little while to say, mm, I don't think so. We're not going to go along with what you're trying to do. But for many people, the trade-off in their head was, if I just do what they say and I wear the mask and I stay home and I get the shots, they'll keep me safe. They traded their their individual liberty Amen. for a sense of feeling safe. Yep. And that is part of the job of people trying to wake everyone up now is to say, you weren't safe. You weren't safe. It even was though perceived they safety. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, there's the famous line everybody attributes to Franklin. It's, we don't know that it was Benjamin Franklin. Franklin was actually a letter from the colonial legislature in 1755, but it's that famous line about if you're willing to give up your liberty for your safety, you deserve neither liberty or safety. And you're exactly right. Fear shuts down logic, right? When the fear yes. part of the brain takes over, it shuts down the logic. So people just couldn't see logic. They were so scared. But I, but I also think that's born out of, Ronald Reagan once said, if we forget what we did, we won't know who we are. Yeah. And we became snowflakes in COVID because we forgot what we did. We didn't teach the stories of the guys storming the beaches at Normandy and Iwo Jima and all the rest. We didn't talk about the immortal 32 from Gonzales that fought into the Alamo to die for freedom. I mean, all the stories of heroism. Yeah. And we stopped teaching that. So we didn't teach what we did. So we forgot who we are. So all of a sudden we're going, government's going to save me. I need government to save me. Everybody playing it safe, playing it safe, playing it safe. I'm so sick of everybody playing it safe. I, in fact, I, I, I told my boys, we were teaching, a, we do a, a handgun defense class and we were doing it back then out in Nevada, I had to sue Governor Sisolak just to do the class. He wanted us in 113 degree weather to wear masks and stay six feet away from people that had never touched a gun before as we're teaching them. That's not safe anyway. But anyway, I had to yeah. sue him to do the class the way we wanted to do it. We're coming home. My boys are driving home 25 hours because they refused to put a face diaper on. That's the kind of boys I raised. I'm flying out to California to do mission work behind enemy lines. That's how I call it and what I think about California. Uh, so I'm getting on the plane and I'm telling my boys, you know how when you split up, you say be safe, safe travels. Yeah. I'm typing be safe. This is five months into COVID. Everybody's shut down, doing nothing. I said, mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> tired of being safe. Be dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I said, be dangerous to the enemy, dangerous to apathy, and an absolutely existential threat to tyranny. Sin. Ooh, we got to be dangerous that. again. We got to be dangerous again. I love that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I love that very, very much. And you know, on that mindset that people embraced, I think there was a notion that this is going to be temporary because if I just yeah. comply now, everything will be okay later and things will go back to normal. What people are trying to realize now, the new normal That's the right. government tried to say was, well, you know, we're, you're going to have a continuing set of instructions about when you can leave, when, what you have to do, what, right. you, what shots you have to get. People finally realize they're never going to let normal come back right. unless we stand up. No, it'll be, it'll be worse because they'll be, they used COVID as the test, right? Now, 
Now they're yes. going to use climate change or whatever it might be. And it, it was all based on lies. I, I, I know you don't want to spend all day on this, no, but, but listen, 100 years ago, and again, it's not knowing our history. Civic ignorance and, and biblical ignorance is the petri dish where bad government grows. If we don't know truth, we don't recognize the lie. So 100 years ago, Spanish flu was 25 times more deadly yeah. than COVID, right? They did not shut down the nation. They did some mask in some cities. The president of the United States never uttered the word Spanish flu, even though it was 25 times more deadly, killing children within 24 hours, way worse than COVID ever thought about being. And yet the federal government did not spend one penny, did not talk about it. Why? Because we used to understand jurisdictions and that the yes. federal government does not have any constitutional authority to do anything with this. It's amazing the world survived without the little stickers that say, stay six feet apart. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. They didn't pay people to stay home. We didn't waste $10 trillion and create inflation. All that stuff we did over those three years because of civic ignorance. We did not know the truth about what happened in 1918. We didn't even know the truth about the 1970 statues that created these emergency powers for governors. So that's the problem. We have to get back to civic literacy. We can, we don't have to get everybody. We need about 3%, just like in the Revolutionary right, War. Right. Um, you know, I, I'm a big believer. We put a million people through our constitution classes. I'm a big believer that if we can get to 5 million that have gone through this, these types of classes, about 100,000 Constitution coaches and 10,000 candidates, I think those are the magic numbers for a tipping point in the country to come back to the principles of the Declaration and save the nation. I love that. I want to hit one more thing, uh, not just about COVID, but the whole that you were discussing earlier about textbooks um, kind yeah. of downplaying America and its uniqueness and greatness. It doesn't happen organically. And I'm getting at, you have, I, I try to identify whether what term you use, whether it's leftists or Marxists or communists, the dumbing down of America's belief in America, the dumbing down in our, our embrace and understanding of America's unique greatness, it is an agenda. Yeah. It is not just they Absolutely. happen to distort this period of history or misstate something. It's an agenda to undermine the very existence of America, to have what they'd ultimately love to have, something along the lines of a, uh, a government-controlled society, sure. uh, world, world new world order, globalist type thing where we've just abandoned the idea of America. And I, because I think for many people, many of the restrictions we he we hear, there is a good explanation put out. There's a good reason you're not allowed to say this, and it's really kind of unkind of you to think that freedom is better than socialism. Who are you to say that? Right. I mean, and so you, it, it's an agenda that has infiltrated, and I think it's so important to uncover the agenda. They're, yes. they're not trying to be nice. They're trying to take away your freedom. And if you and I had talked about this in those words five years ago, we would have thought we were conspiracy theorists, yeah. right? Let alone yeah. the audience and, and, and other people. But it's absolutely true what right. you're saying. This is a concentrated effort. Cleon Skousen wrote a book back in the late 50s called Naked Communist. You probably mm -hmm. read it. You read that today, and, and it's like what he said back then. It's happening right now. This is just simple. This is how it's Marxism like works. They have to tear down the institutions. They have to tear down what's good in order to bring in what they, what they want to do. And that's why they hate the family. That's why they hate marriage. That's why they've torn those things apart so that they can replace them. It's amazing how fast it's happened in the last few years. Yeah. So the people that have been on the sidelines, all of a sudden they're going, how did we go from, you know, okay, we're going to everybody love whoever they want to love to now carving up children and actually not believing in biological science? It's because we lost, we hold these truths. That's the foundation. You get away from that, you get to moral relativism, anything goes. Absolutely true. And I'm, I was going to turn to the transgender, uh, you know, hysteria at yeah. this point. 
it is it's another thing like COVID that is waking people up. And you might be a parent who says, well, I don't know, you know, who am I to say America is better than, who am I to say? But when they start to say, actually, we can come after your child and we can in, in kindergarten start teaching him or her that they're really not what their mommy and daddy said they were or the doctor said they were whatever they want to be. And by second grade, we can start introducing. Those kind of things woke some parents up and just said, you know what? Actually, not my family. That's right. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's been an amazing uh, wake up. And then, and then, well, there've been actually uh, former leftists. I'm thinking of her name. The one who worked for uh, Naomi Wolf. The one who oh, worked for. Oh, she's Pres fantastic oh, now. She's so oh great. my goodness, she's she so good on all this. Clinton. Yeah, she. He was I'm embarrassed about how many of her tweets I share because I, <laughs> you know, like she worked for Clinton and you know all these people. I'm like, man, Love she's saying him. everything I believe right now. Oh, so. she wrote that an apology letter. Yeah. Like, to America, just saying. I got it all wrong. I, I've been duped for years. This, these kind of things, you know, you talk about that young man who came up to you and said, you know, America, what's the, should, you'd love to just hand him a pile of Naomi Wolf tweets and, and some stock yes, articles. Yes, Just read these and come back. Absolutely. Okay. You know, she's an, an example, though, of, just like you were saying, I love your attitude on this. So it, it, even though all this bad is happening, we have to recognize what it's created. It's created a window of opportunity yes. to convert millions of Americans to these principles. They're, they're listening now. I mean, I, I've been doing this 30 years, and there were times you'd give a speech about this kind of stuff, and you can see the eyes glazing over. They just think they don't yeah. care about it. Now, man, they are hungry. They storm the table to say, I want to, I want to get the Constitution class. I want to start. People know that they're waking up. You're not going to get everybody to wake up. Look, in the revolution, 25% were for it. 25% were against it, 50%, I'm not sure they know what happened. You know what I mean? Yeah, they, right, they just, right. a lot of people don't pay attention. We don't need everybody, but a lot of people, millions of people. I'm in a different city almost every night all over the country. I'm telling you, there are patriots all over this nation. We are not alone. Absolutely. And on that subject of a small percentage of people doing everything, that's true in every organization I ever right. belong to, every church. There's a core that says, every, yeah. I'll do this, yep. I'll do this. And the rest of them are just kind of happy to be there. As long as they're not being offended or pushed, they'll go right. along. So the leaders need to speak in, in churches and in schools and communities. They need to speak up because many people, the other thing that happens is, you're right, if we said this five years ago, there'd be a lot of people saying, wow, they're kind of out there. But now when people speak like you are and I am, you get a lot of people saying, oh yeah, I'm with her, I'm yep. with him. Thank you raise the banner that. and then yeah, and, and they'll thank you so much yeah. yeah well you use the word offense i gotta jump on that for a second because you were talking a little bit about it earlier patrick henry started his give me liberty or give me death speech by saying according to the magnitude of the subject ought to be the freedom of the debate only in this way can we arrive at the truth should i hold back my opinions out of fear of giving offense i'll offend the great creator of the universe covid went nuts because we weren't allowed to have the magnitude the magnitude of the subject was literally shutting down earth and we didn't have the freedom of the debate to match that. We weren't allowed to say, I actually don't think a mask works, or I actually don't think healthy people should be quarantined or whatever. If you said that, you were silenced. Yes. I shared doctor, medical doctors out of Midland, uh, or not Midland, I'm sorry, out of California that had treated 5,000 COVID patients. And I just shared a video about them saying this worked, this didn't work. Uh, Dr. Bartlett out of Midland shared some of his stuff and got canceled for that, for simply oh. sharing what an alternate opinion from Pope Fauci, you know, the, the, the Pope of the COVID religion, and you were shut down. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but show me I'm wrong. Like if I'm wrong, I want to know I'm wrong. And that only happens when we have the freedom of the, of the debate. Yeah, I have to throw in and Dr. Bartlett from Midland. He, I don't know if you knew, this is why you brought them, him up, but he was on my show in July of No, no, I didn't realize oh, that, yeah. Yeah, I met him at a function the night before, some political function, I, I moderated some debate. He came up afterwards and said, hey, you know, I'm here, tell me his story. And it was, that was a very time, people were still, we didn't have the vaccines, not that I like the vaccines, but we didn't have them yet. Yeah. It was July of 20. He said, yeah, actually I discovered this. Inhaled B. Destiny works great. 
And I said, can you stay overnight in Dallas tonight and be on my show tomorrow? And he, he did, told the whole long story about working in the emergency room and, wow. and nothing was permitted. Uh, they didn't even have remdesivir yet. They didn't have that poison ready. Right. So anyway, he told that story. So yes, not only did he get in big trouble, my show, I, I got, I'm permanently banned from YouTube. So sorry. Uh, from that anyway, show? Uh, well, or that was probably that one show. of many, right? <laughs> it, was, that was, it was that. And then I got, I got whatever, two week suspension and more. And then I, I had some doctor on who was talking about how powerful ivermectin was and how he had, whatever he had, 10,000 patients, and they all got better, whatever. He, and he used the expression, um, it's like he said, I don't like, say this lightly, it's a miracle cure. That was it, done with YouTube. Yeah. And that's the whole other thing about this, so unbiblical, is shutting down other people's that's speech. Right. That's Marxism. And agreeing that the government Silence can do that. Silence the, the opposition, absolutely. And when, when you have the collusion of the people that are doing the silence with, with government, that's when you truly get get the tyranny but you know it, we used to call it practicing medicine like <laughs> you know it took different things ivermectin yeah. worked for me it didn't work for my wife but budesonide did work for my wife so i mean that that used to be the way that we would we would do it and you know this you've talked about it but just a reminder for everybody out, out there the reason they silenced that is that the emergency authorization statute for the vaccine requires that there's no other treatment so if there's another treatment they don't get warp speed they don't get to to put it on the market without the normal testing that we would do. That's why they silenced everybody. I still think there should be lawsuits against, um, frankly, a lot of people in government and certainly the, the vaccine companies because they did not follow the emergency authorization statute requirement that you must tell everybody that's getting it, the pros and the cons, every healthcare provider should have been given all the pros and cons and everybody that got the shot should have been, and they didn't do that. So anyway, I, I don't think that story is over. This idea that they're immune, I've never been for that. I think you should be held accountable for the things that you do. Nobody gets blanket immunity. The blanket immunity, I could not agree more about that and the exposure would happen. And I also just think all the money that flowed within COVID, oh, all yeah. the money that flowed to hospitals. Oh. And in fact, last night at some function we were at, this lady was telling about how she ended up being, she got quite ill with COVID. She's in the hospital. They were trying to get remdesivir, trying to get her to take it and she wouldn't do it and the whole, whole fuss. And she said, I think they, the hospital gets paid if people, oh. because she's quite senior, if people like me pass on from COVID, but I think they get paid. So I don't know if that's really true with the whole It portion. is true. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if just, COVID's on the, the amount of money. And again, it was our money, right? They took yeah. our money and they dumped it in that market to manipulate what people were doing. It was, it really compromised science. And, and I don't know how long it's going to take because people don't, I know I don't trust what, the, what they're going to say. And of course, we've always done our own, own homework. I fought this stuff 25 years ago for parental choice and a lot of things anyway. But, but I, I just think people... If we had a real black plague type situation, I mean, if Ebola broke out or whatever it was, and we really did need to do things to to to, to save humanity, I don't. I, there's half the population that wouldn't listen now. They, they they've absolutely made us lose respect for those institutions. Uh, it's part of why the federal government should have never been involved. So the constitutional requirements, we actually just had a great lesson in why the founders thought it was a bad idea to empower them. The Center for Demented Confusion is not in the Constitution. There's no <laughs> CDC in the Constitution, and Pope Fauci is exhibit one on why it should not. those people should not have the kind of power that they have. Okay, I have a great story about the CDC, but we're uh, getting, I wanted to get to what you really do. Okay, so, sure, go for it. <laughs> I have a great story about the CDC about a friend who, uh, she got a master's in some, I can't, like environmental toxicology, something like who would want that master's? But in any case, she did a summer internship at CDC. Quick story was they're trying to show all the summer interns, you know, how we gather data and make predictions. So that it was about Africa, some disease. So they had a thing on the board and then this happens. And then and the person giving the demonstration said, well, we don't really know what this number is. So we just threw in this number. 
And then it was the next, but then when this happened, then, then we threw in this number. Wow. And then they get to the end. She said, my, my friend's saying, all of the interns are laughing. And the guy finally said, yeah, we, we don't really know. And we just put all these numbers in. Wow. I mean, it was amazing. I mean, I was go. wishing she had recorded it. But in any case. Center for Demanded Confusion. <laughs> you just explained why. I didn't know it why. Was, now I know why. <laughs> the wildest story. Okay, so this I happen to have this one book, and for our happy listeners, uh, this is called Biblical Citizenship in Modern America. It's a workbook, and this is one of the books that is put out by, I guess it's, it's Patriot uh, Academy. It is by Patriot Academy, and because I was at an event where their literature was being shared, I was able to get a copy of this, and um, and it's just one example of what you do. And actually, before we dive into it, so. To list out, you have students between 16 and 25. Just kind of tell the kind sure. of course so you do. Sure. So we do youth leadership, and that's the 16 to 25-year-olds, teaching them civics, teaching them leadership skills. We do that in state capitals around the country. We're also building a campus in, Patriot, in Fredericksburg, Texas, Patriot Academy campus, so that we can now have kids for one year at a time, 18 to 25. Um, then we do Constitution Coach. So we have Constitution classes that these coaches use all over the country. This is our most popular one, Biblical Citizenship in Modern America. And then we have Constitutional Defense, which is a handgun defense training training combined with the Constitution. We think everybody should exercise their Second Amendment rights, but you should be trained when you do that. And so our goal is to have a sheepdog in every church, every school, every restaurant, every Walmart. There's citizens ready to defend and stop um, the, the bad guy with the gun. But you got to have a trained, not just a good guy with a gun, but a trained good guy or gal with a gun. So we do that a lot as well. And biblical citizenship, most popular class, Kirk Cameron does the first week. He teaches on the monument. David Barton and Tim Barton teach in the second and third week. And then David and I go into Independence Hall. Congressman Barry Loudermilk, State Rep Ken Ivory, Jeremy Boring, Jack Hibbs. There's a lot of great voices in there that, that make it really entertaining and apply it to the culture. That is part of the problem with teaching constitutional law. I mean, I mean, in law school, I recall, um, I mean, I actually, I was fairly nerdy. Even in college, I love American history. I fell asleep in math, not American <laughs> history. But in any case, I remember learning all. I loved it in college and high school and law school. I thought con law was really, really cool. Having said that, it's dreary language. It's yeah. not modern language. And it is, it's seen for many times for, for a long period of American history, kind of arcane. I mean, it's like, okay, we, we already set it up. We're done with that. And now right. we're here. But to go back and see what is it they're allowed to do and they're not, it was really, really vital. Uh, so I, I love that you bring it alive. And I'll mention in the back of this book, there is, I believe I have the page marked, uh, there is the Constitution Made Easy. Uh, it's put in modern English, so of all things. And that's actually a really brilliant idea because for people who don't, aren't nerdy and don't love to dive into that stuff it's a little bit yeah. it's a little bit too much well my buddy Mike Holler did that and, and and the cool thing about it is you get the actual constitution on one side and then the modern language on the other side so you get both and that way you because I'm an originalist I want to make sure the original language is there but you can read through it in 15 minutes and finally understand where these things are and and how they work um, the problem I always had even in con law and in law school is that it's so focused on what the judges say instead of what the constitution actually says yeah. and I always tell everybody we don't live under the constitution right now. We live under the Constitution. We've allowed this witch's brew uh, where these people in black robes have thrown a phrase in here and a phrase in there and mixed it up. And that's the law in America. We've got to replace that and come back to the actual Constitution. But how, I mean, to play devil's advocate, how do yeah. we do that? Because you have to have courts interpret. Sure. Yeah, no, interpretation's fine, but they make law. They change the law. They create the law. And, and they literally, you mentioned Obamacare earlier, or Obama and how that's when people got interested. I mean, the 10th reason in the declaration is he has erected a multitude of new offices and sent hither swarms of officers to harass our people and eat out their substance. That's Obamacare. <laughs> it's now 87,000 agents, right? I mean, the things that King George was doing, 
you read through the 27 reasons in the declaration, he was like a 12-year-old little leaguer compared to the major league violations of our laws of nature and nature's God right now. The way you do it, the 11th Amendment is a perfect example. What was the 11th Amendment? It was overruling a Supreme Court decision. So Chisholm v. Georgia was a bad Supreme Court decision. The state said, hey, that's a bad idea. We're overruling you. So we get an amendment that literally reverses a Supreme Court decision. I believe that should be done way more often. The states need to step up and do their job under the Constitution. Yeah, there was a piece by um, Daniel Horowitz, who writes at um, you know, Conservative Review. He's coming to our campus in December, by the way. You should come with him. <laughs> okay, he is great. He wrote, he wrote an article, and I, I printed it out, because, it was, and in fact, several times, because he went through people saying, well, what are you going to do? The judges made a decision. We're stuck. And he, it was a brilliant writing down. Yep. You probably read it, but anyway, a brilliant of, there are actually a lot of things Congress could do That's right. to help to help the system revert or return uh, to what it's supposed to be, reign in the power of yeah. the judges, describe, I mean, there were tons of options that were constitutional. Yeah, so the legislature, I think it was, uh, it, I think it was Hamilton actually that said that the legislature has the ability, it's like a bridle in their hands, so they can use impeachment, they can use actually overturning decisions, there's ways for them to rein in the courts. I t teach in the class like this, you got your three branches of government, right? Well, if one branch takes power from one of the other branches, like the court has done, if the other branches sit back and let that happen, they cede that ground. They need to push back against these unconstitutional executive orders, which there are constitutional executive orders, but if a president makes law with his pen and his phone, that is not a constitutional executive order. That's an unconstitutional executive order. So each branch has to push back. That's the give and take that we used to teach in civics, but also the states. You also have separation of powers from the feds and states and local. The states have to push back. We have to put the federal government back in its box where it only had 17 enumerated powers and re re prevent them from getting into what the state should be doing. Healthcare, all of these things, agriculture, all of that should only be at the state level. But if the state legislators don't do this under Article 5, which is what they're empowered to do, if they don't put the feds back in their box, I promise you, the feds are never gonna put themselves back in the box. I don't care who we elect a president. Absolutely true. That's funny you mentioned executive orders because I was gonna go to that page. But before I do that, you actually brought up something I wanted to explore. You know, there's talk now and, and you know, I don't have any basis to believe there's a current plan to do this, but there's a lot of concern now that they, we may not even have elections next year, that there may be some emergency declared. I don't know what, you know, COVID type thing, yeah. or there's a nuclear war, whatever happens over with Russia and Ukraine, that the federal government might suspend elections, just say we can't have them. And, I, and I'm not saying I believe that is, is right. a plan. However, it's being discussed in very serious circles. What if that did happen? What if they said we just can't have elections so then what, what the states would do, and I had this discussion last night um, or two nights ago at an event where I spoke where they were, they were, I mean, afterward, just this idea of what if the states just said, no, we're having elections. We're, I don't care what you guys are saying. I mean, have you ever, and maybe this isn't fair because I didn't raise it. No, 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 this is, I love this topic. This? I love this topic and because I used to dismiss talk like that, right? And, and yeah. say, oh, no, that, that, that'll never happen. I, I'm just saying Everything is on the table at this point. Right. Anything could happen. These people do not care. They have no moral compass. So there is nothing to them that is unreasonable because to them the end justifies the means. Again, because of no truth, right. no moral absolutes. So anything can happen. What do we do? The states have to start standing up. And I'm, I'm not a single state nullification guy. I think the proper form of nullification is through the amendment process, which the states have the power to do. However, there is a time for a state to say, absolutely no, we're not going to follow what you've done. While we appeal what you've done, through the courts and through the amendment process, we will not participate. I think we should have done that with marriage. I think we should do that with the border. There is no reason for the border to not be sealed. 
The governor has the power to do it under Article 1, Section 10, even though the feds are supposed to do it under Article 4, Section 4. We should have not only be sealing it, when someone comes across illegally, we should not hand them over to the federal government to send them into the country. We should place them back across the border. Now, that's a war footing, but that's how you repel an invasion. So that, you know, those types of things take states doing their job and being willing to not buy into this idea that the Fed, the Supremacy Clause does not allow the feds to do anything they want. It's in pursuance thereof is the phrase in the Constitution, pursuance thereof the Constitution. So we should be saying, you said it exactly right. We should say, no, we're going to have our elections or no, we're going to seal our border or no, you're not going to tell us how to define marriage in our state. On that subject of the border, you probably saw Attorney General Ken Paxson went to court, I think it was this past Monday. Yes, where, yes. And he's, he, I, I tried to express my, I don't know what, audacity, my just <laughs> amazement, their audacity. He has to go to court to argue that the federal Stop cutting our wire shouldn't be destroying the border yeah. structures. Isn't that crazy? I mean, literally, they're down there clipping the, the federal agents, Biden's people, at the border, snipping through the barbed wire fence and saying, come on, holding yeah. it back so people can come through. And our attorney general is at the court, at federal court, saying they shouldn't be able And the judge did grant, did, did grant a restraining order. But my audacity thing is yeah. the federal government is defending its actions and saying we're allowed to do that it brings us full circle how much do you have to hate your nation like what were you taught to make you make you hate america so much that you would open that border we now have 1.6 million gotaways people we don't know who they are or where they went there's no question hamas is here there's no question that cartels are here this is another reason we teach the second amendment so much because the crime is so bad they have put us in a very precarious situation and you have to hate your nation to literally cut wire to allow that to continue to happen. The children being sold into sex trafficking, the women being, all of the evil that's happening right now. We could stop it if we would just use the tools at our fingertips, but we've got to stop acting in fear. It comes back to the fear issue. We act in fear because we, we don't want to do, you know, for instance, amending the Constitution. I mean, here we have Colonel Mason stands up on September 15th, 1787 at the Constitutional Convention, and he says, hey guys, we got a problem. We created a federal government we gave it these 15 powers at the time. Two more come with the 27 amendments, but 15 powers at the time. He said, what if they ever steal power from us? We've only allowed an amendment process where they control that. The only they can put themselves in the box. And he literally said to them, well, we should remind people today, has anybody in history ever done that? When did the tyrant ever say, oh, you know what? I think I want to give some power back. Yeah. That's never happened. So he said to him, we need a way for the states to force the feds back in their box without the feds involved at all. It was a mic drop moment. No one objected. George Washington, Governor Morris, James Madison, everybody said, absolutely, we need to do that. What I'm talking about is an Article 5, states coming together. You may be against this, and if so, let's have a wonderful discussion. But states have to stand up. The state rep is the most powerful person in America in politics if they do their job. They're more powerful than Congress, the courts, the president, everybody, because they have the final say on what is constitutional and what is not constitutional. I wasn't going to go there today, but this whole interview has been like that. I wasn't going to go there today, but now I went there. Um, I do want to just say before, because I, I do want to talk about Convention of States. Yeah. So one thing I liked about this book, and are all your workbooks kind of like this? I mean, yeah. it's an amazing yeah. thing because even I could follow it. I mean, they have, for example. And we have digital versions where you can type in the answer. If you get it wrong, you can try again, and you can try again, and then you say, okay, fine, give me the answer. <laughs> so you can do oh, yeah. it on your computer too. Yeah, well, I was going to say, just on executive orders, it's broken down by weeks, by topics, so you can find where you are. Then there's an index that gives you the answers if you don't want to really think and just find the answers right there in the back. Uh, but we went through executive orders, and, and then I'm on week six of Kings and Courts, and you go back to the appendix, it gives you the answer. 
I like that because if you don't want to sit through, I, I have a hard time sitting through videos. Yeah. I sit there for an hour and watch something. I want to hold it myself and do it myself. This is wonderful. Thank I mean, you. it's fast, Thank it's you. efficient, and, and it's, it's just really, really impressive. I'll say this about the class and the videos, though. The magic happens when the video stops. When you're in a room, like if we were all doing a class tonight, when that video's over and you've seen all this, you've learned something you never knew before, some shocking piece of American history or whatever, and you've been given a tool, all of a sudden when that video's over, you start talking back and forth with each other. You start sharpening each other's countenance. You start saying, hey, well, what can we do locally to apply that? What can we do about our school? Whatever it might be. So there's something about coming together. That's one reason we did it that way. I, I, I yeah. encourage people. You can do the class at home if you want by yourself, but I really encourage you, even if it's just three or four people, just get together with other people, and, and that iron sharpening's pretty cool. I actually really like that. We've, we've held little things in our home. We had a, a film, The Agenda, oh, had yeah. some neighbors in it. And then we also had, I want to do the one, uh, the guys who made uh, Uncle Tom and Uncle Tom 2. Yeah, those are great. Oh my gosh. I've thought about bringing neighbors in just to watch it yeah. because you can have a discussion there that you can't have if you just say, okay, let's all sit around and talk about this. It's just different. And people are left kind of It like, kind of primes the pump, right? It, it, yeah. it gives you all that information and then everybody can, can talk about it and get involved. Yeah. Yeah, so here's my thing on the Constitutional Convention. Yeah. I've always been in favor of it. However, the courts don't follow the law anymore. And I will tell you, as a good example, January 6th people, I am appalled by the conduct of the federal yeah, judiciary in Washington, D.C. Yeah, it's they, a they destruction just, of our... Yeah. Uh, yes, and so you have people who can... Antifa, Black Lives Matter, burn down cities, right. destroy police cars, kill people. A thousand times more economic damage. Yes. In, in, and, in the BLM stuff than at J6. And virtually nothing happens. Yeah. Even the arrest, I, there was one statistic, I forget which big city it was, big riot, they'd, and the headlines were, see, we are arresting. Look at all these arrests we've done. It was like 97% let go the next day, no prosecution. Oh, yeah. They arrested just to make a point, oh, to pretend they're being fair. So back to the courts, you know, the concerned people who, have, who are opponents have right. said, you know, you're going to have, we call a constitutional convention on, let's say, just term limits. That's all we want to talk about. And we get that to happen. But, and we get the requisite procedures followed. But then someone shows up and says, well, as long as you're talking about that, I want to revoke the Second Amendment. And so they show up, and, and I'm just making the, yeah. the situation, yeah. you get to a court which formerly followed the law, would have said the convention was called on, the, on, on just term limits, and that's all we can rule on here. I fear the courts would let the leftist invasion stand. I don't know how you're going to control that. Yeah, I had two reasons I was against this 15 years ago before I started teaching my constitutional classes. One was runaway convention. What happens if they come in there and try to get rid of the Second Amendment? Uh, two was they're not following the Constitution anyway. Why would they follow an amendment? And so that's when I started deep diving into it. First, I had a guy on my program that uh, started going through it with me. This was, again, 15 years ago. And uh, he says, Rick, think about this. If a bad amendment, if he said, if your worst fear comes true, if they did something in the convention, if somehow Soros or whoever took over the convention, if they were able to get something bad out, think about the safety valve. 38 states have to ratify that. The convention is nothing but a suggestion convention. He said, you only need one chamber. And this I didn't realize this. He said, you only need one chamber in each of 13 states. You don't even need the House and the Senate to say no. You need one of the two to say no in 13 states. Second Amendment's a perfect example. 27 states have now passed constitutional carry. So the state legislature that has to verify an amendment that comes out of that convention, 27 of them have said, you can carry a gun without even getting a permit, without going to the government at all. Those states are not going to, in any way, uh, ratify that's an amendment that's against the that's Constitution. That's a step in the vehicle to getting whatever the, even if you had the 38 states 
pass what you're yeah. saying. What you're describing is it would it be put a stop at. Even, even if the convention passed it, even if they took over the if convention, the, yeah, yeah. which yeah. I don't believe they can because we have more states than they do, and it's a, it's a majority of states once you get there. So we would have 26 votes. They would Actually, we'll have about 30 votes. They'll have about 20 probably. We'll see. Um, but anyway, I don't think there's any way they take over the convention. And also, I would say this. If we operate out of fear that they could take over the convention, we might as well not have elections. We might as well not have legislatures because they might take those over too. What I'm saying is use the constitutional tools to save the Constitution. But your other objection is very, is very, very important, and that is what will, they, will they even follow it? Name me an amendment to the Constitution that's happened in the last 100 years even, 200 years, that is not being followed. An amendment gets followed because everybody pays attention to it. Are there parts of the Bill of Rights they're not following? Absolutely. That's 200 and, you know, 20-something years. So it's more than 200 years. I'm just saying, even if we had to amend it every 50 years to make the court follow, once you do an amendment, everybody does follow that for a period of time. They'll start chipping away at it, but it's the process that initially says, this is the law and everybody agrees on it. I never bought into the argument that said, well, you know, what if they're not following the Constitution now, so what difference does it make? And it really, it's partly because it is what you're saying. It's because the amendment is a different thing. But it's also the newness, the freshness That's that right. in That's law, right. introduced in law today, yeah. that this this went through this staggeringly difficult process to get there that's right and so but my as I, that's my concern about the constitutional convention is the courts yeah. are but you raise very good points you know i um and i've also loved the idea that the people today are using a vehicle that the founders figured out i didn't know yeah. that story you just told but uh, that the founders discovered you have to have some way yeah. some means to get around the, I, um, I think there's a high likelihood that that nothing comes out of the convention that actually gets ratified and i'm okay with that because if that would be the greatest constitutional education lesson for the country that we've ever sure. had. Can you imagine for two or three months, every night on the news, what's everybody talking about? Did you know what executive orders are? What's this phrase over here? What's this phrase? You know, they would be taught, they would be, everybody would be learning more about the constitution. We may not get anything passed, but I do think there's a chance that there's almost a, there's beginning to be a, a coalition that's really kind of weird. Like the left right now, or, or not the left, but the liberals in California and other states yeah. are saying, I don't want the Supreme Court to tell me what to do now that we have the court, right? All of a sudden they're squealing. And I'm saying, hey, welcome to the party. We've been yeah. saying that for 50 years. So I think there's a chance that we won't pass any issues. Like we're not going to pass life or anything like that at a convention and get it ratified. That's not going to happen. You're not going to get 38 states. But I think you can get 38 states to say, we the legislators, we the state want to make the decision, not you. There's 38 states that will say, we just want to pull the power back to our state. So if I'm in California, I want to be weird, let me be weird, right? Yeah. If I'm in Texas and I want to be normal, let me be normal. <laughs> so it's all about that self-interest that the founders knew would help create a system where we have 50, in their case, 13. But in our case, 50 unique states, let them be unique. Love that. I'm watching the time. We have okay. three, three quick things to say. Sure. Um, and uh, one is... In short defense of California, where I practiced <laughs> law and, and met my husband and all that, um, there are a lot of sane people there. Oh, there are man. actually a lot of sane people. I speak people. in California more than anywhere in the country. I haven't given up on them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, a lot of sane little pockets. Yeah. But we go quite often this summer. You actually see Let's Go Brandon bumper stickers. You, you could be in West Texas. It's beautiful. Yeah. Okay. but that I, I had less COVID insanity in Yuba City, California than here in Texas. They're outside, they're okay. north of Sacramento, you know, and I speak at the same church there every year. I have for 15 years.
years, and I showed up in 2020, and I'm thinking, I mean, Texas was so bad because Abbott was so bad during COVID. And we, and I get there, and nobody's wearing a mask. I speak at this church, everybody's hugging and singing, and I'm like, what is going on here? And the pastor said, our sheriff and our chief, police chief, and our county judge got together and said, Gavin Newsom can pound sand. We're not doing it in our county. God bless them. In California. I love that. Love that. Second thing is, for because we do have a chance for our audience members to ask questions. It's a microphone. Before oh, they get to that, I love it. how do people find you to, to yeah. sign up on these PatriotAcademy.com. PatriotAcademy.com. All of the things we've talked about today are there at that website. You can sign up there. Yeah. Okay. And it's free, by the way. I forgot to mention that. It's free to do the class, free to be a coach. We give that away. So thank you to all our donors out there that help make that happen. I love that. And for our audience members, we love to let you ask questions. Uh, do speak right into the microphone so it goes out on air and try to keep your questions short because as usual, I went longer than I meant to. Would love to have you if there are any questions. <laughs> Oh, you big chickens. Y'all can't take it that easy on me. Come on, bring the hard ones. <laughs> Hi. Hi. I was wondering if you have an opinion on Nuremberg too. Yeah, I think Steve Dace and Daniel Horwitz's book, Rise of the Fourth Reich, is, should be required reading for any patriot in the country that wants to not have another COVID stand. Um, and like we said before, it's not going to even be a, probably a virus. They're going to use climate change or some other reason. They're now calling that a health care issue. This World Health Organization issue is huge. I don't know if you've had Michelle Bachman on or, well, you probably have Frank Gaffney on. I mean, this is a, this is real. They want to, in fact, can I, I, I just got to read you. Number 13 in the declaration is exactly what they're doing right now with the World Health Organization. He has combined with others to subject us to a jurisdiction foreign to our constitution and unacknowledged by our laws, giving his assent to their acts of pretended legislation. That was back in 1776. That's exactly what they're doing, handing over to a foreign institution that is foreign to our constitution, the power to tell us whether to wear masks, jabs, everything else, or not drive our car because climate change is a healthcare issue now. It's huge. That book is critical. I think people need to be held accountable. I think Anthony Fauci should be in jail. The people that forced this stuff and, and caused people to lose their jobs, elderly couples that couldn't even hug at the end of their life, kids that couldn't go to their parents' funerals. I mean, this was evil stuff. And I'm angry about it because I'm righteously angry about it. So I'm glad you asked about that. But I think Steve and Daniel did it exactly right in that book. And everybody should say read. the name of the book again, please. It's called Rise of the Fourth Reich, yeah. Why a New Nuremberg Trial. Uh, I, I'm forgetting the subtitle yeah. is necessary to prevent this from happening again. And I'm assuming that's what you meant. Yeah. 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 I, I love that. And I love that they're talking in those terms. Yeah. I think as people step back from the fear and start diving into facts, as many of us did a little earlier on than others, but in any case, right, dove right. in, they realize this is completely crazy. And yeah. the fact that you have, you know, we didn't even get on to the whole idea, but the notion that how um, monetarily intertwined the FDA is with the biopharmaceutical companies right. and that the regulatory capture happening, this isn't even the government, If they, even if they had the right and authority to be regulating healthcare, they're not motivated entirely by that's What's right. the best for the American citizen and their health? They're all wrapped up with the biopharmaceuticals. It is the most preposterous situation. And, and that's, that's another reason the founders wanted that broken up and only the states to be able to deal with it. Because if you had that corruption in one state, other states would, you know, it, it would counter. They're like laboratories of freedom. And when you put all that power with the FDA or the CDC or whoever it is, whichever department, um, it becomes a real problem. And, and you can't protect freedom because we can't hold them accountable. So it's got to be broken up. Okay, and any more? Are there another? They're, they're actually, they're, they're back here. Go ahead. I love your shirt, American Patriot. 
Thank you. I'm uh, part of Citizens Defending Freedom. Oh, so no wonder. I was just with Steve Maxwell last night. Love those guys. Yeah, I'm, I'm also a Constitution coach. Thank you. And uh, oh, I, I love your program, and I've been teaching it in churches around Collin County. Thank you. And um, I grew up in Collin County in Wiley. I heard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, anyhow, the question for you is, you know, as a coach, trying to get in, talking to a pastor, yeah. what's maybe one thing I could say that kind of eased their mind about teaching the course in their church. Yeah. I, I, my, my pastor friend, uh, Paul Blair says it best when he says the thing you say to a fellow, what he says to a fellow pastor, he says, what part of your life is Jesus not Lord over? Because that's the only Ooh, part you shouldn't good. be talking about in church, which is of course nothing. Right. And so, um, I always remind them, listen, all biblical citizenship is, is it means what does the Bible say about government and citizenship and how you treat your neighbor? And how do you do that under our constitution? That's what this class is all about. And, and the whole idea of, of how you treat your neighbor, what people that are afraid of Christian principles being talked about or Christians being involved, they give us these scary names like Christian nationalist or dominionist. They make this stuff up, right? What they're, what they're trying to make you think that we are is theocrats, which we're not. I don't want a theocracy. What we actually are is we want good principles to influence the culture. And think about what the biblical principles are. Treat your neighbor the way you want to be treated. Well, politics in every shape or form at every level is how do you treat your neighbor? And so all we're saying is there's some great biblical ideas the nation was founded upon that we want to get back into the culture and everyone should exercise their faith. So the question to that pastor is, why would we leave anything off the table? The Bible speaks to everything in life. And if they don't want to do the class, let you come in and do the class, you know, and, and if they won't do it, have it in your home. We're after just 1% of churches, 400,000 churches in America. If we just get 4,000 of them to do this, we'll change the culture. Wow, that was a great answer, and um, we are nearly out of time. All right, Rick Green, I am so glad and just I grateful. I enjoyed it, Debbie. You're great you at this. I loved it. That was fun. Come. Thank you so very yeah. much for coming. You're welcome. Thank you. Okay, I want to do one quick thing, folks, before we wrap up. So next week on our Thursday show, we're bringing into town a woman named Shi Van Fleet. Her first name is XI. Uh, she's Chinese. She grew up on a Mao Zedong, lived in China during the Cultural Revolution. She has a new book out, which is calling. She, which is entitled Mao's America. I forget the subtitle, but the gist of it is she's describing what our government is doing, especially the left is doing in America, is exactly what she watched as a child, as a student, in, as a young person, junior high school age, during Mao Zedong's reign of terror in China. And she's talking about what, when you see government arguing about this, understand what they're really doing. She's urging people to recognize, uh, to re repeat the word, the urgency of situation in America, that we are at a time where the left is truly taking down our American uh, basic ideals. Uh, she's a woman, her video went viral. She was in a, a school board meeting in Virginia, and I think she was talking about critical race here. Whatever the topic was, she was trying to say to them, to the school board, uh, she just said, I know what you're doing, even if you don't know what you're doing. This is what Mao Zedong did. This is wrong. This is evil. This is where this leads. And she just, you know, she has quite a thick accent, but she's still rock solid in what she's saying about America. So she's coming in next week to join us on, on the show in person, and she's a great, great, great thinker. She spoke at our Women for Freedom Summit last year. And uh, I mean, sh she was a rock star. So with that, we are out of time. I thank you so very much for joining me today and every Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time for America Can We Talk. I do this show, America Can We Talk, to speak truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. Thank you. Thank you. Can we talk?
truth about America. Can you hear?